Welcome to another Caring Support Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest that's doing some amazing things to help out healthcare, and uh, we certainly want to be able to promote this lovely person and what she's doing. So you can see on the screen that we have Maria here. Hi, Maria. Hi, nice to be here. Yes, absolutely. It's great to see you again, and it's great to have you on our podcast. So maybe if you could start by sort of introducing and telling us a little bit about yourself, please. Um, well, I am a I have a master's in educational psychology, and I'm also an accredited uh, Ontario certified English language teacher, and I have a degree in psychology and counseling. So I right now what I do is I help internationally trained physicians mostly. Um, actually, everyone I help right now is a physician that came from another country or is a Canadian who studied abroad. And I help them with their applications in terms of um, their personal statements, their CVs and interview skills, and with exams like the CASPER exam, which is a situational judgment test. Um, Most of them don't have familiarity with that, so that's what I help them with. And it's 100% virtual, so I'm helping people all across Canada and in other countries as well. That's great. Fantastic. Highly needed right now, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. So your support to, you know, people that are looking for these roles is is absolutely huge. So, well, let me ask you, what made you start this Maria A, like think outside the box medic med meducation? Uh, it's quite a mouthful there. Yes, it <laughs> I'll, is. I'll explain that a little bit later. But um, what uh, the reason I started actually when I first I had lived abroad for about eight years, almost ten years, and then what happened was when I came back to Canada, I was um, I took a volunteer position to uh, help uh, internationally trained physicians. Uh, with their IELTS, which is the English exam they have to write in order to, uh, it's part of the portfolio that they have to submit in order to get into their licensing stream. So I started with that and what happened, that was in person. And then what happened from there was once they got into their residency programs, they had moved to different provinces. So I started helping them online. And then I also went to Montreal to do my master's. And from there, I just kept helping them with their um, editing their research papers or help with uh, presentations that they had never done a presentation before. So I kind of helped them with that. And then um, once I graduated um, in 2019, um, just shortly after, I couldn't find a job. And then everything in Montreal got locked down by March, um, right after that. So in in 2020, and what happened was, I just was influenced by my audience, my clients were telling me to start helping their friends. So they would call me and um, ask me if I would help them. So I did. And then, you know, I decided to just like take it on the road and turn it into a business. And so I I found that the demand was high and people really needed help from somebody who uh, really uh, understood what they needed to do and also understood how to explain things so that they could uh, really talk about their experiences. So that's really how it started during COVID, um, actually, and the influence of my former clients from before. Yeah, that's amazing. Good for you. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, sometimes when fortunately you know, on the negative aspects and, oh my God, it's COVID and uh, do I have a job and everything. Whereas you saw the opportunities to do something to help others and and to help the community and especially the healthcare industry. Um, 
you know, really similar story with us at Caring Support. You know, we built this all throughout the pandemic. We yeah. kind of predicted because of the way things are going that it was going to become a candidate market and we built our platform to suit that. So what we're seeing now is the workflow in a lot of organizations, no matter if it's in-home healthcare, long-term care, hospitals and that, it's all built for yesterday. And yeah, the processes are, you know, on a guaranteed influx of candidates all the time. All of a sudden, I'm like, no, guys, you need to change your systems, become more nimble and reach out and headhunt. People are like, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I found was and one of the other things that triggered me was one was the influence from my clients saying that their friends needed help. And then I would I would get a lot of referrals. So I wasn't advertising or anything. And then um, I needed to go to the doctor when I was in Montreal and I couldn't get a doctor. And so it took me months and they, they were, there were phone calls and then I was told to go really far away and all these different things happened. And then I really, from a patient's perspective, I really understood what it's like not to have a doctor. And then um, because COVID was going on at the same time and you know people were left in the emergency waiting over 24 hours, people were scared to go anywhere because uh, it was at the very beginning of the pandemic and nobody really understood what was happening. So it was kind of scary. And um, I just thought, you know, I'm helping all of these doctors who could be helping right now and they're not there there's all these obstacles in their way and I and I thought you know I would love to have any of them as doctors because I knew them personally I was I was right. I understood right. their background I understood what they were doing so I thought why aren't we doing anything to get them into the system what is going on and then that's when I really got more into the political side of it and um more taking a look at what they needed to do and explain about their experiences to really get seen for the competencies that they had. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's great. Good for you. So this is kind of a, a good segue into the next part is, is that like with the push for more uh, immigrant healthcare workers uh, to come into our country, obviously. Now, what do you say are some of the big struggles? I mean, you're touching on them that getting them into the role and whatever is really tough, but is there other things too? Is there things we're maybe not aware of that you, that you would understand or the, the roadblocks? Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I can't speak for everyone and I don't want to generalize. So what I'm saying is not for every single person or, you know, but generally what I've experienced working with, um, especially newcomer IMG, so newcomer internationally um, medical, international medical graduates. Yeah. So what I've seen is their biggest struggle first is they have to get settled first. And that's a big deal because when you, even if you read all, everything online and you're given papers from the government and you do all kinds of searches on the internet, until you actually experience something, you don't know what is ahead of you. Right. You don't know where you're going to live. You don't know what people are going to be in your neighborhood or around. So it really takes a lot to kind of settle in and really understand where you are and you know your kids are okay if you came with family if you're alone like what to do next and it's just there are very different stories depending on where uh, the um, newcomers are coming from and then what their financial situation is if they even 
need a job or anything like that. So all of those things come into play, getting their kids into school, um, getting a driver's license, getting a health card, all of that stuff. So they have to do all of that first before they can even think about the licensure um, process. So that usually takes, it, it can take anywhere from a few months to a year or more, depending on, you know, Crazy. whatever their situation is. Yeah. And um, so that is the biggest, I think, everyone, unless they know somebody already in Canada, that usually that is a big problem that they have to solve first. And then after that, um, there's the two other big things are one is that there are differences in depending on which province they're in. So, um, for example, seven provinces have the practice ready assessment, which is like a 12-week training program that if they're eligible, they can go through that if they've done all their Canadian exams and they've had enough, um, they've come from schools that are recognized or programs that are recognized. Um, but not all the provinces have that. So you, it's up to you to figure out, does my province have that? And if not, do I have to now relocate to another province? And, you know, there's a lot of that going around, moving around to figure out what they can do. And then um, from there, there's just... I mean, it's about like what is available in the community where they land. So wherever they end up, there could be a settlement organization that's great and they know what to do and what next steps to do. And then there's other smaller communities that people have no clue. So they don't even know what to tell you. So they're kind of on their own. And so there's no like um, central database where they can just go in and it tells them step by step, okay, first do this, then do this, and then do that when it comes to like the whole, you know, living in Canada and then being a doctor. So everything is kind of mixed all over the place. And so um, that's the other big thing. And um, the other thing I wanted to mention was their recency of practice. So once they even they start the process, they do their Canadian exams, if they haven't actually worked with patients where they're responsible for making decisions about patients if if two or i think it's around two years if that passes they they're not even eligible anymore to apply so a lot of them the problem is two things one they either have to go back to their country and start practicing again so that they have the recency of practice which is expensive uh, you know, it's time consuming. And also, you know, depending on what's happening in the world, they might not even be able to go back. It's very taxing on their families if they're here and then they have to leave. Um, and then the other thing is, is that they need to get Canadian uh, clinical experience, uh, which is part of that. So there's very few options for them. They really have to find those on their own. Again, there's no database where they can go in and say, who's going to let me go into their clinic or hospital to be able to get my Canadian experience. Those situations are very rare. So most IMGs don't get them unless they know someone or they're just the right place at the right time. Right. So that's the other big thing. So those are like the biggest struggles that I've seen. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot that we can do um, by creating some um, connecting the dots. And I think hearing uh, support is one of the ways that's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. So, yeah, that's what I've seen. Yeah, I think you're going to love the conversation next week because <laughs> the connection that I'm um to is working on this exact thing and I wanted to bring you in because you're obviously a great resource to, for them to go to to help a lot of their clients so um yeah you know and we're working on on partnering with them so more to come uh so is there a, a specific process that people should follow or tips that you offer to help them find a job 
and be successful in the care once they actually arrive here and are, are obviously looking for an opportunity. Yeah, actually, I, I'm going to look on my list because I listed quite a few things um, that I'm going to suggest because I used to work in settlement uh, and also at the colleges uh, with international students. So I right. know quite a bit of what they need to do. So I'm going to give some references for anyone who's listening. Um, the first thing that they should do is contact any settlement organization that is in their community, uh, which will connect them with, you know, getting their health card and helping them with the driver's license, right. maybe finding an apartment or things like that. So I, that would be the first thing I, I would do. If there's no settlement where they are, um, they could go to the public library. They're an amazing resource of uh, people and services that are free. So go to the public library if, if there's one in your area or university and college libraries or their offices where you might be able to get help or at least direction from someone. Places of worship or multicultural communities that um, that they resonate with that um, is part of their identity where they might be able to speak to someone who, who knows uh, and understands where they're coming from. And um, any community centers that are in the area where they could get involved with something, make some friends, do something social or even get more information because some community centers will give, you know, courses or, you know, free sessions or just some direction anyway. Um, the next thing I'm going to I'm going to give you um, three websites that are good for settlement. The first one is settlement.org, which is it's an Ontario organization, but anywhere in Canada, they give really good information. So um, even if you contacted them, every province has something like settlement.org. So it, looking up the provincial um, website that gives information, it's very, very useful. It's very resourceful. Um, west.org slash CA is for, um, it's the World Education Services, and it's a um, nonprofit uh, where they help international students, immigrants, and refugees achieve their educational and career goals in USA and Canada. So I would contact them. And then there's N4, which is the newcomernavigation.ca. And they really have like a lot of uh, free courses. They have a special program right now for internationally trained health professionals with helping them um, just understand what they need to do, helping them with their identity and, um, you know, using their skills as best they can in Canada. Um, but you have to sign up. It's free, but you can join that as well. The other uh, thing I'm going to say is volunteer. Any of those organizations that I uh, already mentioned, like the community center, the library um, settlement organizations, I would volunteer not just to get experience in Canada, but also because you have to get to know people. And through that, you'll see that there are more opportunities and you might meet the right people at the right time and um, get yourself in the right position that would be the most helpful for you or your family. Um, so and right. also get involved in social events, go to conferences and also get a driver's license uh, is the last thing I was gonna say to get around and get a library card, it's free. And you can also um, use that to um, get uh, free resources, like to study for your exams, to help your kids study for free. They have free internet at the library. Same thing with um, McDonald's, Tim Hortons, Starbucks and the malls, they all have free internet. So if you have a device, you, you can use it for free if you don't have internet. And then specifically for health professionals, mcc.ca 
is uh, the Medical Council of Canada, where you can find out what exams you need to write in order to um, get eligible to get your license. And then physiciansapply.ca is specifically for physicians, where they create a portfolio, and that's like the first stepping stone to like get all their documents together to get through the system. Those are the okay. frontline things. Amazing resources, and I'm going to ask uh, my counterpart because we're recording this anyway to to capture all that and then look to share that stuff after the fact that we can certainly put in the content that supports, um, you know, this conversation, Maria. And uh, I mean, you obviously know what you're talking about, which is amazing. And, you know, I think it's wonderful what you're doing to try and help people because, you know, I'm a big proponent of helping immigrants and, um and I live to network and I am always inviting them to come out networking with me. Trust me, I'm going to get the yeah. whole room to love you. And um, <laughs> but no, it's important. Yeah. Like, you know, and I and I'm tired of seeing articles on LinkedIn and other places that getting people to ask them to embrace immigration. I'm going, folks, that ship sailed a long time ago. Like they're already here. The question is, what are you going to do? Not by your words, but by action to help. So, you know, and part of that might be uh advocating the government to to change some of the policies and systems that are so dated and old and, and incredibly slow. Um, you know, I know they're working on a express entry type thing and stuff like that to try and help with getting people in here and filling those positions. But very often, you know, when you take an Uber, half the time it's or more than half the time it's an immigrant and I'm asking their story and all this stuff. And they think, yeah, I'm not like other people. I'm not just going to sit here like in an elevator and say that you're not allowed to talk to people. So I want to know their story, what they're from. And then I've, I've helped people get jobs in engineering and stuff like that because I'm going, I know people. Just come out to events. I'll introduce you and I'll convince that person to have coffee with you. Um, so I think this is really important and and more people need to do this. Uh, and then, you know, it just helps build community. It makes immigrants think, wow, people really care here uh, through their actions. Um, and I applaud what you're doing, Maria. It's beautiful. Thank so. You. Uh, you're welcome. So what would you like to see happen in the future uh, in regards to the regulations and processes surrounding immigrant healthcare workers coming to Canada? We kind of touched on this a bit, but how would you envision that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done. Um, some things are simple, some things are more complicated because we have a very archaic system that hasn't been changed since I think it was 1960 or something like that. And the world has evolved, Canada has evolved. And I mean, we still haven't um, been able to tackle our history with our uh, with Indigenous people across the country. So that is something that we really need to um, take into consideration as well when we're making these laws about immigration. But um, aside from that, I don't want to get political or anything like that, but what I really want to see happen in the country is the money that's being spent on recruiting newcomers into Canada. I would like that first to be spent on the newcomers who are here, who already have gone through immigration and written all of their exams so that they can have a training process to get onboarded into the healthcare system and be used to their full potential of right. the skills that they have and their competencies. And when that is uh, exhausted so and that's not just newcomers that's also canadians who studied abroad we have people here who are qualified to do the job they just you know maybe have learned they haven't learned like certain system systemic things here in canada and maybe the way things are done here which they do need training for that obviously but i think that is the same for you know if you if i move and go to the states 
I would need to learn how the system works there. It's different. It doesn't mean I don't know what I'm doing or I don't. I wasn't educated in a good way. It just means that I don't know how they do things in their culture of that particular organization. And right. same thing here. If you're in the same city and you move from one job to another, you still have to learn the culture at that new place. So you, we need a, a national onboarding thing or every hospital and clinic should have some kind of onboarding thing for IMGs so that they can streamline into the system and understand and then be tested again, like assessed at the end to see, which is basically what the practice ready assessment is, but it's not available to everyone. And so what I think, what the thing that for me that I advocate the most is I don't appreciate recruiting new people into the country when we've already got so many hundreds here and they're not being utilized for the skills that they have, yeah. that new people are going to come in with the same issues. So that yeah. for me is just, it's very disheartening to know that it's, yeah. they're still spending a lot of money on that. They're marketing it. Uh, you know, immigration consultants are like going to other countries and telling all these medical professionals, come to Canada, life is so great, it's a safe country. And, you know, they have the spiel that they, you know, tell people to convince them to stop their practice and come to Canada, and they don't tell them all these other things. And that's the part that really, um, uh, you know, as an advocate for them and the people that I work with when I know their stories, I find that very sad that Canada would do something like that when they have so many other options and uh, a lot more resources that they can be using uh, to their advantage and spending less money or at least allocating money in different ways so that um, we can make the most of the resources that we have here. Yeah, and you know, it, it, that was really well said. I, I'm Thanks. gonna I, I'm gonna tell you, Maria, that is awesome. I love the way you think. I think the same, my, like, we know we need the immigrants. We've had tons come in, we keep upping it. So I think there's a disconnect. And, it, and a lot of this, of course, is driven by money. So you had you have the left hand going, oh, come to Canada, come to Canada, Canada. Once they're here, nothing happens. Like we we're slow to process, slow to do anything, slow to. Because you see the schools, the consultants, the other people, they make a lot of money off of a constant influx of people. Mm -hmm. And I get it, but at the same time, you're like, well, is anybody really thinking this through? It's not about the dollar you make. It's about actually trying to make this a difference in our country. And unfortunately, I think that's part of the problem. And, um, you know, for us, we're going, hey, you know, we could charge X, Y, and Z on our platform, but we don't. I keep telling people, healthcare doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to work. And, and we're not a healthcare provider. We're, we're helping healthcare through the ability to affect the time to hire and, and make it so much faster. I keep telling people my favorite word of the new year is nimbleness. And I said, we need to be much more nimble. We need to really develop nimbleness into any kind of procedures and policies that are all dated. And I can't get over how much of people have either said it, or you can tell in the way that they conduct themselves and calls that the the favorite sentence is, this is the way we've always done it. Mm -hmm. And and which is something I'm like a firm believer in not doing. And you have to innovate. You have to constantly take advantage of stuff. You have to sit back and say, wait a minute, rather than constantly getting mired down in this and stressed out up to time, step back for a minute and say, is this process really working? Why is it so uh, arduous and lengthy? And so that's what really needs to happen. And uh, and I appreciate, you know, what you're doing, Maria, and what you're saying. It's fantastic. So by the way, so one more question, but I always sort of add one spontaneously. <laughs> so, you know, and that is uh, other than so first part of that question of the two together is to say, 
you feel free to add anything else you think would be helpful uh, that, you know, to this podcast before we close it out. And the second thing is, is I want to know what it's like being awesome. <laughs> well, I don't, I wouldn't know about being awesome. I don't know. I try to do the best I can. Um, I think we're all awesome in our own ways. Yes, we are. Um, but um, so if I'm just going to add something at the end, one, there's two things I'm going to add. One is, um, you know, uh, I'm going to talk about what I'm going to be doing that's coming up. And the other thing is that ITPO and Wes, um, they just published um, a paper so if anyone is an internationally trained health worker and they're listening to this they can go to uh, west.org.ca or slash ca um let me yeah so it's west w-e-s.org slash ca and they have just published i'm just going to go here to tell you what it's called um where is the title of it Oh, yeah, here. It's a policy brief, expanding pathways to licensure for internationally trained physicians in Ontario, how to get there and why it matters. And that was published by ITPO, which are the internationally trained physicians of Ontario and West. Uh, um, and they uh, that was just published in January 2023. So if anyone's interested, you can go to that website and you can download it for free. You don't have to pay for that. And um, it'll give you a real um very accurate background of what needs to happen and what's happening. So if if that's if that's you and you need help, then I would go there and find some information. And the other, the last thing I'm going to add, just very quickly, is that in the spring I'm going to be launching a membership site. Um, it is for internationally trained physicians, uh, and it will help them to prepare for their tests and their documents that they need for their application. So if you need feedback and support for crafting a CV, personal statement, or interview. You can contact me um, and ask questions at info at mariathinkoutsidethebox.ca. And if you want to know when that's going to be launched, you can go to mariathinkoutsidethebox.ca and subscribe for the newsletter. And um, let me see, what else do I have to tell you about that? I think that's about it. Um, this this website is just, it, this membership that I'm doing is just, um, it's an online membership that gives members exclusive access to a supportive community that allows them to connect directly with me and like-minded colleagues while engaging with the content at their own pace throughout the year. So they're not going to be stressed like just before they have to do it. Um, and that's it. And I just want to thank you for inviting me and letting me talk about these things and help the people who need help and give them some light in their darkness if they need it. And that's yeah, it. it's our pleasure. I, I think that's great. And hopefully, like I said, we're going to capture all these URLs of these different things and share that, you know, so people don't, you know, you want them to want them to watch and everything and we take snippets. But, you know, it, it, it's just to have it right there ready to go, because for those who really need it, um, you know, Maria, this has been really great. I want to thank you so much for joining on our podcast. I, I think our audience will really appreciate this and uh, keep being awesome. Uh, it's fantastic <laughs> you what you do. Awesome. And yes, I will. I can guarantee you. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much. Thanks. You, uh, I wish you the very best and we'll be in touch okay. soon.